0: Welcome to the Unconventional RD Podcast, where we inspire dietitians to think outside of the traditional employment box and create their own unconventional income streams. We'll talk all things online business to help you start, grow, and scale your own digital empire. Heck yes, it's this time of year again where I review my 2023 digital marketing predictions to see how well I predicted the future last year, and then I make my new marketing predictions for 2024. In the past, I've released these trends to watch episodes on my podcast, and they are almost always my most downloaded episodes of the whole year, so I can't wait to share this one with you here on YouTube today. If you find this episode helpful, I would really appreciate any shares since one of my goals in 2024 is increased organic reach. So thank you. Thank you in advance. And let's get into it. We're going to start by reviewing the five digital marketing trends that I said to watch in 2023 and see if I was on the money or not. Then we'll review the six digital marketing trends I'd like to watch in 2024 so backing it on up what did i predict way back last year for what was going to be trending in 2023 well the first trend that i mentioned was google becoming more of a content suggestion and curation platform rather than just a search engine and this is sort of still in the works and hasn't fully manifested yet but I kind of find that I tend to be a few years ahead with my predictions every year, but some of the ways that Google has added more content discovery features to their tools in 2023 include testing Google Discover on desktop search. So in October, Google actually announced that they were testing the addition of Google Discover to their desktop desktop homepage. If you're not familiar with Google Discover, it's what you see when you open up the Google app on your phone. Underneath the search bar where you type in what you're looking for, you should see a feed of recommended content curated by Google based on your previous search behavior while logged in. The content suggested in Google Discover can be blog posts, YouTube videos, short form videos like YouTube Shorts, Google Web Stories, or even suggested and trending searches to perform inside Google. It also includes sponsored ads, so Google Discover is another way that Google is monetizing and earning ad revenue. And right now, Google Discover only shows up when you search with the Google app on your mobile phone, but Google is testing the idea of rolling it out on desktop as well. Personally, I think this would be a great idea and I would love to use Google as a content discovery engine, especially if it was able to tell what type of topics I'm interested in and show me blog posts and other content that I might not have found otherwise. It would be sort of like a mixed media, social media feed, and I kind of dig it. They're also rolling out the ability to follow topics inside of Google Discover. So as you're scrolling through the Google Discover feed, you'll be prompted to follow suggested topics to get updates. And if you add any of the topics to your follow list, then that will enable another new feature from Google, a new for you section at the top of the Google search results for topics that you've chosen to follow in Google Discover. So if you click that updates from searches you follow button in Google Discover, it will bring up a new new for you section at the top of the Google search results with a carousel showing new content that you haven't seen yet on that topic that you're following. And yet another way that Google has been becoming more of a content discovery platform is how they've incorporated this idea of infinite scroll search results. So if you remember at the end of 2022, Google changed the way that the search results were laid out so that instead of 10 separate pages with 10 search results on each page that you had to manually click through, now it's a continuous scroll. And as a part of this continuous scroll, if you scroll long enough on a mobile search, Google sort of assumes that that must mean that you haven't found what you're looking for yet. So they'll start suggesting other related searches for you to perform or other related content that you might find helpful. So this is yet another way that Google is acting as a content discovery platform instead of just a direct search engine. So overall, I'd say that this prediction was correct, but still sort of in the works, not fully rolled out. I think we'll see even more progress on this front in 2024. The second trend that I predicted for 2023 was the integration of AI into online business, because believe it or not, it's only been a little over a year since ChatGPT came out. It was like brand new when I was making these predictions around this time last year. And wow, has it made an impact. Online business owners have started using ChatGPT in tons of ways, including but not limited to content creation strategy, outlines for long form content, actual writing of blog posts with human editing and refining, of course, writing of emails and social media copy, site structure organization ideas, business planning, sales page optimization, repurposing of content into new formats, data visualization and analysis, summarization of longer content, automating customer service chats, sales forecasting, creating images, and even sentiment analysis of customer reviews. And that's just what I could think of off the top of my head. There's so many more uses and more to come. Obviously AI is not a total replacement for people, but it has helped speed up our processes, improve efficiency, and bust through creative blocks. Basically, AI has allowed us to get more done in less time and for less money. And while this has definitely led to some job losses and closures, especially for low-priced content agencies, it has also been great for many small businesses who are on tight budgets. I'm excited to see the next generation of AI tools on the horizon. I love, love, love the idea of being able to plug a piece of content into a tool and have it spit out tweets and social media post ideas, video scripts, whatever, ways to repurpose that content that's actually usable right out of the gate. Some of these types of tools exist today, but I haven't found them to actually work very well yet. I do think that they will get there eventually, and when they do, I'm excited to try them out in my own business. And on the SEO front, during last year's predictions, I was worried about Google possibly penalizing AI content because at the time, their documentation explicitly stated that they wanted to reward content, quote, written by people for people. But in early 2023, they ended up revising those guidelines, so they took out the written by people part and they just said, content created for people. And so people took that to mean that Google does not think that AI content is inherently bad, it just needs to be genuinely helpful to users in order to be ranked. So what should we be doing in 2024 now that mass-produced AI content is our current reality? Well, I'm going to talk about that more in a second when I get to my 2024 predictions, but rest assured that is a big part of what I am talking about for 2024. So I would say overall, this verdict was definitely correct. AI has had mass adoption by lots of different businesses. And I think that's only going to grow as the tools continue to improve. Trend number three that I predicted for 2023 was the importance of repurposing content into multiple formats. So last year, we started to see that more and more types of content were showing up in the search results. And back then, already a year ago, I was already encouraging everyone to start repurposing their content into multiple formats to grab more of these spots at the top of the search results. So for example, for many types of searches, You're not just going to see 10 links to blog posts. You're going to see other formats of content beyond that, taking up in some cases, half of the top spots in Google. These could include things like long form video on YouTube, short form video, like YouTube shorts, TikTok videos, reels, visual stories, also known as Google web stories and image packs. So what this means in a practical sense is that if you are trying to rank for a specific keyword and you notice that there are lots of additional formats showing up in the search results, that you should probably be repurposing your content into at least one of these additional formats so that you have an additional chance of ranking and getting in front of your ideal people. Obviously, for bloggers who are maybe following the publisher model and are mostly focused on getting page views for ad revenue, getting someone to go to your YouTube channel to watch a YouTube video or to your social media platform to watch a reel might not translate into a great ROI for you if you're only monetized with ads on your website. But I think for most of us, that business model is in a very precarious position with the rise of AI. And we should all be thinking about building true diversified brands and businesses, which is going to include a multi-channel presence. So I'm going to talk about that later in this episode as well. But just as a quick example, I started to do some of this content repurposing with my podcast content in 2023. Basically, I came to the realization that I had published over 125 podcast episodes, but they were driving very little organic growth for my brand. Because the problem with podcasts is that there's not really a podcast search engine. So yes, you can push those out to your existing audience and it will get consumed, but it doesn't really help very much in growing and reaching new audiences through any search platform. So at the time, the podcast was getting about 5,000 downloads per month, but I was not repurposing the content into any other format that was optimized for discovery on any other platform. So for example, yes, I was publishing the podcast transcripts, alongside the audio, but I wasn't formatting it like a blog post in a way that would target a certain keyword or rank for anything. And I was not even posting the videos on YouTube and I was not taking the concepts that I was talking about in the podcast and repurposing them for social media. So I decided to try and change that in the latter half of 2023. I started going through my solo episodes, doing some keyword research both on Google and YouTube to find blog post titles and YouTube video titles that I could repurpose the transcripts of my podcasts into. And the goal was to be able to publish more evergreen content on more platforms for greater visibility and impact without reinventing the wheel. Basically, making my existing content work a little harder for me. And I tested this out with just eight podcast episodes so far, and the results have been really positive. So for one post in particular, my organic traffic from Google quadrupled thanks to just optimizing the post to target an actual keyword. And just in case you don't know what that means, basically that means instead of just copy pasting the transcript of my podcast episode onto my site, I cut out a lot of the filler, I formatted the content for easy scannability and readability online. I used headings and subheadings and bullet points and things like that to organize the sections by topic using relevant keywords that people search for in Google. I basically tried to make it a piece of content that someone would enjoy consuming by reading and that would easily answer their question if they discovered it through Google. Then within that newly optimized blog post, I would film and embed a YouTube video towards the top of the article as well. And that was working very well to bring me both organic traffic to the blog post that was ranking for keywords and through the video ranking in the videos tab as well, But unfortunately, within the last few weeks, Google has stopped ranking videos that are embedded in blog posts. And now videos have to be the main content on the page in order to rank and even be indexed in the video search tab in Google. So womp womp, basically that means 99% of the results inside the videos tab now in the Google search results are only going to YouTube, which I think is really crappy of Google to do. Uh, And it's not a good look uh, in the middle of this antitrust case and all that, but uh, I still think that videos can be good for user engagement signals on blog posts if they're genuinely helpful and adding value to the page and adding value to the user. So I'm still keeping them embedded in the posts for now, and we'll see how that goes. (laughs) And uh, I also noticed that I started to get way more people requesting to join my free Facebook group after finding my blog posts on Google which of course in turn grows my email list because about 50% of people who join my free Facebook group also leave their email address to join my list. And since I have automated sales funnels set up, that also means that I'm able to make sales to these new email subscribers every single month without doing any manual work or launches. I just add their email to my list and it's all set up within the first month or so of being on my list. They are given the chance to join one of my programs at a discount and a good percentage of those do convert into paid sales. So I can say for sure that this strategy is worth it as long as you have clarity on what you want people to do after they discover your content. And you need to have an actual strategy in place to make a living beyond just ad revenue on your blog. So if you are interested in learning my content repurposing strategy, starting out with how I'm repurposing my content over to YouTube, be sure to check out my new membership called the Expand membership. I can drop a link to that below this video. We're going to be diving into the topic of repurposing content for YouTube in spring 2024. Right now I'm covering the foundations of email marketing and then content repurposing is our next topic we're going to dive into. So overall, since the search result layouts have changed pretty dramatically, and it seems like alternative formats of content are here to stay in the rankings, I'm going to say that this prediction was correct. It is going to be increasingly important to repurpose your content into additional formats to compete in today's day and age. The fourth trend that I predicted was the rise of TikTok. I was predicting that TikTok would continue to grow and be more and more important in 2023, and it definitely did. It grew about 16%, and now it has over 1.5 billion users now. And TikTok has also started to diversify the type of content you can post on their platform too. So now you can post text posts, eat, do e-commerce, and long-form video all directly within TikTok. And I can't say that I have much experience with TikTok. I have an account that I set up for my business, but I've never posted anything on it yet. But that is on my to-do list for 2024 as part of my mission to expand my brand onto more platforms. So stay tuned. I definitely think TikTok is super relevant as a part of your content creation marketing mix. Uh, And I will say that TikTok in the Google search results is still the one short form video content that is most commonly seen in the search results. So within those short form video carousels, uh, typically Google will show TikTok videos, first and foremost, uh, YouTube shorts, and sometimes Reels or Facebook videos. But TikTok is far and away the most common. And based on my analysis, YouTube Shorts comes in second. So uh, if you are working on diversifying your content formats in 2024, those two platforms would be great to focus on if you want to double dip and also have your social media content rank in Google. So the verdict, correct. And finally, the last trend, trend number five for 2023, was the importance of entity-based search, including topics, brands, and authors as entities with reputations. And I'm going to say this one was correct, too. I was predicting that it was going to be increasingly important to build a known brand, not just a blog. And yeah, I mean, with how the helpful content ended up decimating a lot of publisher sites that had lots of content, but not really any real business model outside of monetizing their content with ads or affiliate links. This definitely turned out to be true. It seems like Google has cranked up the dial on the importance of having a true brand, one that solves problems for people, especially via paid products and services, or that has extremely high domain authority. In last year's prediction episode, I talked about using the more about this page feature in Google to see what Google quote unquote knows about your brand, and that if there's not much information about you on other websites, that means you need to make it a priority to focus on brand building in 2024. Things like getting quoted in the media, mentioned in authority websites in your niche, talked about on forums like Reddit, or interviewed on podcasts, anything that shows that people find value in your content and your offers, and they're trying to actively talk about it and share it. And if you are not creating a digital footprint online, you are going to be left behind, especially with the rise of AI. Being a trusted, authentic human resource is going to be more valuable than ever. So those were my predictions for 2023. I think I was pretty on the money last year. So now let's get into the six digital marketing trends to watch for 2024. So I do anticipate this being a big year for digital marketing as AI continues to infiltrate our lives, businesses and content creation processes. So much changes so incredibly fast, so I feel like there's definitely a large possibility that some new technology could come out of left field at some point in 2024 and totally shake up how we do things. But based on where we're at right now, these are the trends that I'm focusing on for 2024. Trend number one, optimizing for SGE and AI platforms. So it's no secret that AI is going to play a huge role in the future of online information retrieval and consumption, probably in ways that we can't even conceive of yet. Right now, most of us are still default searching for information and resources in Google. Google still has a 90% market share amongst search engines. We go to Google, we type our question or topic into the Google search bar, and then Google returns us content that it thinks will best address our needs. But I wouldn't be shocked if in five years, maybe even sooner, most of us have personal AI assistants that find and summarize information for us rather than using Google. Google probably knows this, and I think they're trying to get in front of it. And so they have been beta testing the idea of using AI in the Google search results for the last six months or so. So if you haven't been following this closely, basically Google has created something called the Search Generative Experience, SGE for short. And that is still currently in beta and it's only available for users who have opted in to try it. And I am one of the beta testers and I've been playing around with it extensively since it first rolled out this summer. But essentially, if you have SGE enabled, Google is now generating AI answers to your search questions at the top of the search results based on content that it's found published on the web. And this AI answer does include citation links to where the information within the answer came from. And then underneath the text answer with the citation links is also sometimes supporting visual content, usually images, but occasionally YouTube videos as well and the beta testing period for SGE was originally scheduled to end in December, 2023, but Google has since removed that date from the testing page. So it's unclear when SGE will be ready to roll out to the search results for all users, but I would not be surprised if it happens at some point in 2024. Interestingly, I have noticed that websites that were negatively impacted by the helpful content update so websites that probably got this unhelpful classifier applied to them, don't seem to appear as citation links in the SGE results. So I wouldn't be surprised if that update was somehow linked to how SGE selects their sources for their AI responses. However, it appears that websites hit by the helpful content update can still have their images featured in the SGE responses, at least for now. So image optimization could be a good place to focus in 2024, regardless of whether you've been hit by HCU or not. So as you can see, I've been watching closely for how SGE responses and links relate to what's happening in the organic results below the the AI response. I personally don't think it makes a lot of sense for Google to summarize and link us to a set of sources in the AI snippet and then just repeat those same sources in the organic results underneath. That doesn't seem like a very great user experience. That feels a little repetitive and it's kind of like, why is this AI response here if it's just repeating what's already in the search results? So I think perhaps this is part of why there's been such a shakeup and diversification in the types of content shown in the search results. So I think for 2024, there will be two main areas of focus for SEOs and content creators. Number one, understanding how to rank in the AI snippets, since those responses are going to be front and center at at the top of the search results once SGE rolls out for everyone. And then number two, repurposing our content into additional formats that will rank well underneath the AI response. Things like short form video, long form video, forum discussions, web stories, images, news stories, trending topics, or in-depth blog posts from niche experts that aren't already featured inside the SGE response. Not sure how this is exactly going to shake out and whether the top spots in SGE or the organic results will end up going to high domain authority sites, sites with a lot of EEAT, or how exactly they are going to be selecting their sources, but we will definitely be watching and trying to figure it out. I think there will be an increased focus on creating images and videos that rank well in SGE, since those visuals, when they're included in the AI response, are given huge real estate. It's like that draws your eye more than anything else within the AI response. So they're probably going to have better click through rates than any of the regular text link citations. So again, if you are not already repurposing your content over on YouTube, this is your nudge to start today. You can steal my repurposing strategy within my new membership expand because I will be sharing my exact YouTube repurposing strategy with my members this spring. So again, I'll share the link below this video so you can learn more about that. As large language models get more and more sophisticated and they are able to understand text more efficiently, I think it's also possible that less SEOed content will perform better. Yes, SEO has historically been used to help content rank better in search engines. But the beast is changing. So rather than static algorithms, AI is playing more and more of a role in content retrieval and rankings. So I can imagine a future where traditional SEO signals are less important for helping search engines surface valuable information. Perhaps things like brand signals, topical authority, experience, expertise, information quality and uniqueness, and user intent will have more weight than things like targeting a specific keyword or optimizing your page with tools like rank IQ or Surfer SEO. But I do think that we are in a big period of shakeup and change right now with search, and it's really unclear how it's all gonna shake out. So I personally wouldn't make any swathy changes just yet. I'd probably give it another month or two to see how things shake out and try to learn from all the SEOs out there who are currently performing tests to try to see if it's possible to recover from an HCU update. I also think that there's a good chance that eventually people are going to migrate away from Google and start searching for real-time information within the AI chatbots that are available now, like ChatGPT or Bard. So learning how to optimize for those platforms might also become a whole new industry in the next few years. I kind of don't think it's going to happen in 2024, but in the next few years beyond that, probably going to be a thing. Maybe we can call it chatbot optimization, CBO instead of SEO, who knows, but I have a feeling that a lot of the skills that SEOs possess will translate very, very well to learning how to optimize content for a new platform like chatbots. So trend number two, diversifying beyond the publisher model. I'm just going to be frank. I think the traditional publisher model is in trouble. If you're not familiar... The publisher model relies on publishing large amounts of free content online and monetizing with display ads, sponsorships, and affiliate links. This model has performed extremely well over the last decade, allowing tons of bloggers to build six and seven figure empires around their content. However, now that AI has entered the picture, I think that this model is in trouble. The entire publisher model relies on people visiting websites for information and viewing ads within that content. But if in the near future, people start getting summarized answers directly from AI, a good percentage of those people will probably not feel the need to dig deeper into the primary sources, and they might just take the AI response at face value. And without people visiting websites, this monetization model crumbles. Essentially, this means that information alone is not going to be enough common knowledge information is about to become a commodity. So now that it's easy to create a regurgitated blog post using AI tools, the internet is getting flooded with mass-produced AI content. We are overwhelming the Google index with a giant dump of Samesies content, and Google is struggling to figure out what content is actually helpful and deserves to rank. I do not think that Google has figured this out yet, obviously. But I think they are trying to reverse this trend of sort of copycat content that they've almost been rewarding for the last decade or so. Because before AI tools came about, the way that most people tried to rank, was by looking at who's currently ranking, what their content covered and included, and then kind of trying to one-up them by creating even more in-depth content or a more comprehensive piece of content and building more links to it. Over the years, optimization tools like RankIQ, POP, or Surfer SEO emerged that scanned the top-ranking results pulled out a list of the most commonly used words that you should probably include in your content as well in order to be competitive. And then you could use that to kind of beef up your content and improve your chances potentially of ranking well on page one of Google. And this worked for a long time, but now this process is being abused at scale. People are combining these optimization tools with AI writing tools and mass producing content that historically probably would have been good enough to rank. But what happens when Google encounters a thousand of the same pieces of content targeting the same search intent? Which one deserves to rank? The job of the search engines suddenly becomes much harder and much more expensive. And I think this is where we currently are inside the SEO spam cycle. Spam is currently winning, and Google is trying to figure out its best path forward. I think with the helpful content update, they are trying to reduce the rankings of content that appears to be solely produced for SEO, sort of operating on the assumption that this content probably has the highest likelihood of abuse. But it also, at the same time, seems like large authority sites with huge domain authorities appear to be exempt from this rule and their low quality content is still ranking super well. And of course, Google has also recently elevated the status of forums under the assumption that only real people would bother to post on forums. So at least it's like authentic content. However, that's quickly changing. <laughs> now people are starting to span the forums with AI responses and self-promotion. So oh, this is going to be a giant mess soon. Um, But now we're ending up with a bunch of mediocre posts from large publishers and forum posts from random people on the internet, and in my opinion, a lack of helpful content from actual experts. So clearly Google is still trying to figure out the solution and as publishers, we are just along for the ride. But I think long-term, Google is trying to find a way to rank content that provides unique value above and beyond what others on the internet have already written. I think that first person experiences and perspectives, unique data, breaking news, things like that, that AI is not able to replicate right now are what they would like to promote. So that is the angle that I would be taking trying to move forward. Think about how can I humanize my content so that AI is less able to replace what I'm doing? Can I add video, unique images, personal stories? Can I build a social media presence that shows that I'm a real person and not a faceless AI content farm? Can I help people with products and services above and beyond what AI can provide? Can I become a source of information, not just a regurgitator? And of note, I do think that recipe bloggers are uniquely more immune to AI than informational niches. So cooking is still very personal and experience-based, and people seek out recipes from food bloggers and chefs that they know, like, and trust. So I don't see AI replacing that particular industry as hard in the near future. But for the rest of us, if you are out there pumping out listicles and how-to guides, it's time to start thinking bigger. Again, this highlights the need to build a solid brand that people go out of their way to visit. If someone found your website, would they be tripping over themselves to share it with their friends? Would you be proud to go out into the world wearing a t-shirt with your brand name plastered all over it? What unique value are you actually providing? What tangible problems are you solving for people? What are you providing that AI cannot just be a replacement for? If you can't clearly answer these questions, then you have work to do. And if you're really stuck, again, I recommend checking out my Expand membership. The very first lesson is called blog to biz Brainstorm, and I walk you through a series of exercises to help you conceptualize how to pivot from running just a content business to a true brand that sells something of value to your audience. I even made a custom ChatGPT bot that is trained to walk you through these questions as well. And that is included at no extra charge for all Expand members. The only caveat is that you do have to have a ChatGPT Plus account in order to access custom GPTs, not just mine, but any custom GPT. And to get a ChatGPT Plus account, it costs about $20 a month, but you'll probably use it all the time once you realize how helpful it is with content creation. But even beyond the risk of informational content getting replaced by AI responses, there's sort of a double whammy risk coming up for the publisher model with the loss of third-party cookies in 2024. So I actually talked about this way back in my 2021 predictions, because originally the plan was to drop third-party cookies from Google Chrome by 2022, but the date got pushed back to Q3 of 2024. So I'm not gonna go into a whole diatribe again about third-party cookies, because it was a long one, and you can re-listen to that episode if you want the full rundown. I'll link to it below this video for easy access. But essentially, browsers use something called third-party cookies to track your behavior across websites, and then personalize things like the ads you're seeing. Because the display ads that people see on the websites they're visiting are personalized to their unique behavior online, they're more valuable to advertisers and more likely to convert than just mass displaying advertisements to everyone online. But if ad networks lose the ability to create targeted advertising because they no longer have access to the information from third-party cookies, the RPMs, or how much you earn in ad revenue per 1,000 visitors to your site for publishers will probably go down. So even if we're not facing the AI apocalypse, the publisher model would still probably be facing a loss of income in 2024 due to the loss of third-party cookies. Of note, only third-party cookies are going away, not first-party cookies. So first-party cookies are any information that you willingly provide to brands while logged in as a user. Or, to put it another way, from the brand side, it's information that your business has collected about your users – Things like demographics, purchase history, website activity, email engagement, interests, etc. Essentially, if you are logged in somewhere online, then the brand that you're logged into can still track your behavior without needing third-party cookies. So they can still serve you targeted ads based on the tracking information that they have collected. So social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, they're probably not so worried about this change because you have to be logged in to use their platforms anyway, and they can see what you're doing on their platforms or anywhere else online that you're logged in through them. But for individual websites, you typically do not need to log in to access the information. So those publishers do not have gobs of first-party data that they can use to serve better ads. The ad network Mediavine has been trying to remedy this by pushing out a tool called Grow over the last few years that encourages blog readers to sign up on your website to save and favorite or access locked content on your site. And you can use it to grow your email list while also sharing first-party data with Mediavine across any blogs that also use the Grow tool. This means that publishers within the Grow network can then benefit from the first-party data collected by Grow across all publishers that use the tool and have their users log in. This will help Mediavine keep RPMs as high as possible when third-party cookies go away. There's another similar tool called Slickstream that can integrate with Raptive's ad network as well. Raptive is the new name for what used to be called AdThrive. It's an ad network. However, Slickstream only allows you to access first-party data from users that have specifically logged in on your own site, not the entire Slickstream network. Raptive is also working on negotiating more direct advertising deals with advertisers to display ads on specific websites in their network, which should help bring higher RPMs for those high-value publishers. And as a business owner, you can also collect your own first-party data through your email list, which I'll talk about later. But anyway, my point here is that targeted advertising is going to take a hit when third-party cookies go away. So if you rely on ad revenue, I would expect a bit of a loss once these third-party cookies are fully phased out by Q3 of 2024. And the double whammy here is that publishers are facing both a loss of visibility and reach with the onslaught of AI and these new algorithm changes with Google, and a potential loss in ad revenue at almost the same time. Yikes! So, long story short, if most of your website visitors are coming from people searching for random questions on Google and you pop up as the answer, and that's the only way that people are currently finding you, I think that that is a big risk in 2024 and beyond. I have always, always preached the importance of having an email list, but if you haven't pulled the trigger on that yet, start today. It's never been more important to have a direct connection with your audience that is not mediated by a third party's algorithm. I also believe that we should all be diversifying our traffic sources once we've mastered one. Don't get complacent and rely only on one traffic stream, even if it's working really well. You just never know when the rug might get pulled out. Once you have systems in place for content production that are actually working, start layering on a new traffic stream as well. Rinse and repeat until you're present and thriving on multiple platforms. For bloggers, the top two places I'd look into for additional traffic streams for 2024 are YouTube and Pinterest. If you're looking to grow on social media to boost trust and authority and increase your sales, then I'd be looking at TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube Shorts. If you're in the B2B space, then LinkedIn might make the most sense for you. I do think that lots of people will quit blogging in 2024 if traffic and earnings are down. But for the ones that stick it out, evergreen content on your website still has a valuable place in your marketing mix. It positions you as an expert and helps you get discovered organically for years to come. SEO is not going away. It's just shifting, as it has every five or six years for perpetuity. We just need to adjust our targets with the current landscape. I think the days of of targeting any high volume, low difficulty keyword are gone. And they have kind of been gone for a little bit now. We need to shift our focus from the publisher mindset of volume, volume, volume to the targeted mindset of a true business owner. This will mean focusing on long tail queries that are aligned with your customers needs. Even if a keyword research tool you're using shows that it's super low volume, you need to trust your instincts based on your intimate knowledge of your niche. It will mean building a true brand that gets talked about online. It will mean purging your website of any low-quality junk content that was just intended to rank, but that doesn't quite align with your service or product-based business. Remember, the helpful content classifier is site-wide, so it's time to improve the user experience and create a website worth coming back to. And don't forget about Google's intention to show more personalized, interest-based content in both Google Discover and Google Search. I don't think I mentioned this earlier, but Google also announced that they are going to be testing showing personalized results inside Google's organic search results as well. Meaning, if there's a certain website that you tend to visit again and again and again, Google will remember that and start showing that specific website higher in the search results for your personalized results if you're logged in while you're searching. So, as a content creator, that means that you can combat some of these changes by, again, building up your brand and making sure that people are intentionally seeking out your content and returning to it frequently. Okay, so what I'm trying to get at with this prediction is that people who are publishing content and trying to monetize it passively with ads and affiliate links are in trouble, and it's time to start learning real marketing and brand building strategies that will carry your business into the future. Trend number three for 2024, the rise of social media SEO. This prediction is a little more out there, but it's just been mulling around in my mind recently. Now that social media content like TikTok videos, Instagram reels, and YouTube shorts are showing up in the organic search results in Google, there's a huge untapped opportunity to become an expert in specifically getting social media content to rank in search. The blogging SEO world has been around for decades, but social media SEO is a new beast, and I haven't seen anyone emerge as a leader in this space yet. Because it's so new, none of the SEO tools have caught up either. As far as I know, none of them track whether or not short form content or the perspectives carousel are showing up in the SERPs for any given query. I did submit this as a feature request to SEMrush, but obviously it's not something they could implement overnight. Um, But I really feel like in today's world, Even though I still love writing and reading long-form content, many people don't. And if you could swoop in and teach short-form content creators the power of SEO, whew, would that be powerful. It's also a game changer because having social media content rank for searches in Google inherently brings an evergreen quality to short-form video that never existed before, making it even more valuable for brands as a long-term discovery mechanism. The key here is knowing whether or not short-form video shows up for a particular keyword search or not, because it is highly niche and query-dependent. You probably don't want to waste your time trying to create SEO-optimized social media content for a specific keyword if the search results are not showing any short-form content for that keyword. Obviously, having a tool that could filter this out would be a huge help. But for now, when you're doing your keyword research, I would poke around and search your target keyword on a mobile device to see what other forms of content are ranking. And if you see short form video in the results, make a note that that piece of content is probably top of the list for content repurposing compared to other keywords that don't show short form video in the results. I can't say that I have personally played around with this much, but the next step would be to analyze the social media videos that are currently ranking and figure out why you think they're ranking. Are they using exact match keywords in the captions, in the text in the video, in the audio of the video, in the hashtags? Is it just more about meeting the overall search intent? Try to figure out why Google is ranking these pieces of content and then try to replicate those aspects within your own content. I think this could become a huge market in the future as people on social media start to realize that they are reaching people through Google and not just natively on individual social media platforms. Of course, for this to really blossom, we'll also need better analytics tools from social media companies that allow us to see where our video visitors are coming from so that we can follow the data and double down on what's working. Trend number four for 2024, email marketing becomes trendy again. Okay, so in my world, email marketing never left. It has always been the cornerstone of my brand and the main driver of sales literally over a million dollars in sales, all through my email list. But I think a lot of people growing an audience online haven't put a ton of thought or effort into growing or nurturing an email list. This is a huge, huge liability for your brand as much as you'd like to imagine it will never happen to you, the chances are high that at some point, no matter what external platform you've built your brand on, you will get negatively impacted by a platform change or algorithm update and your reach will suffer. And if you are 100% reliant on other companies' algorithms to reach your own audience, you're kinda shit out of luck if your reach gets slammed and you have not built any other way to connect with your people. The nice thing about email marketing is that it is a direct one-to-one connection to each person on your list. You are sending a message directly into their inbox, and it can be personalized and tailored just to them based on actions that they've taken, the content of yours that they've consumed, the products that they've purchased, the lead magnets they've opted into, and more. There is no other platform that can even come close to this level of personalization and direct reach. If you send an email, it will end up in your subscriber's inbox. Sure, not everyone will open every email. This is why Mastering the Art of Writing Great Subject Lines matters, but they will still see your name right there in their inbox every time you send. And for people who are meticulous about their email inboxes, which is not me, by the way, uh, not only will they see the email, but they will have to intentionally decide whether to open it and read it, save it for later, or just delete it. Compare this to social media, or even Google, where it's a little bit random whether or not people in your audience even see your new content. Email marketing is legitimately unmatched. And I think in this new age of privacy regulations and fierce competition for attention, having a direct line straight to your people, or even to just specific segments of your people if you only want to talk to some of them, is like the core of online business. I think a lot of the younger marketers who have been thriving on social media will start to take email marketing more seriously as they see their organic reach and engagement declining a bit. It's really interesting to me to watch the evolution of social media content and see the parallels with blogging. For example, blogging started as basically just personal journals where people dumped their personal thoughts and experiences to share mostly with just their family and friends. But once Google came around, and allow people to search for topics and find content. And then analytics tools came around so that people could track how people were finding their content. And then monetization methods came around so that you could actually make money from people reading your content. Blogging then transformed into a much more SEO-focused game of creating content that people could discover via search engines, and then offering lead magnets with opt-in forms and pop-ups to get people onto your email list. And then creating digital offers or services to pitch to your audience. The same thing is happening with social media just a few years behind. For example, Instagram also started as a personal photo sharing site where you just posted personal photos for family and friends. Then slowly people started monetizing their audiences and using Instagram more as a business tool. Over the years, social media-specific tools like ManyChat and Store have popped up to meet the list growth and monetization needs of social media content creators. And I feel like a lot of people on social media are just starting to dip their toes into this world of lead magnets and sales funnels, so I'm excited to see where that goes. I just started posting consistently on Instagram this summer, and I've been using ManyChat to grow my email list, from my Instagram content. Because as you probably know, I am not about vanity metrics. If I'm gonna spend my time creating content to reach my audience on social media, I wanna have a clear ROI behind it. And growing my email list is the best ROI of all of my business activities at the moment, thanks to the nurture and sales sequences that I have set up. If you're not familiar with what ManyChat is, it's a paid tool, I think it costs about $15 per month, that allows you to set up automations through Instagram. I primarily use it to send people my lead magnets and grow my email list, but it can do other types of automations too. But essentially you can set it up so that if someone comments or DMs you a specific word of your choice, it will DM or comment that person a specific preset message. For example, a brief thank you and a link to get your free lead magnet. It also works with Facebook, by the way, if that's your platform of choice. But anyway, I just love email, and I think more and more people are going to be focusing on it in 2024. I think it's the best, best, best way to both serve and sell to your audience every single week. I also think that users, not just business owners, are getting a little frustrated with the quality of the algorithms across the various social media platforms and search engines, and they're annoyed that they can't find or discover high-quality, in-depth content from creators that they love. If they find someone they genuinely want to learn from, I think more and more people are subscribing to email lists to actually get the content that they want to see each week. And now there are even ways to do email list cross promotions with other email marketers using things like ConvertKit's Creator Network. If you're a part of ConvertKit's Creator Network, you can hand select other creators on the network whose content you would love to recommend. And then after someone joins your list, They will see a hand-picked list of other suggested newsletters to subscribe to with just a simple click of a button. And then vice versa. If you're in the network, other people can also recommend you as suggested newsletters to subscribe to when people opt into their list. I haven't pulled the trigger on setting this up yet, but I am a part of ConvertKit's creator network, and I have seen these opt-in suggestions in action when I've joined other people's lists and they are pretty compelling. And finally, I also think that there will be more money than ever in owning a high-quality list. If the loss of third-party cookies makes it harder than ever for advertisers to target their ideal demographics, guess who they can still turn to? The email lists of people who have curated engaged lists of fans in specific niches. Yep, you can accept sponsorships for your email newsletters, and that form of direct advertising can be a viable income stream as well. I feel like a broken record here, but do not slack on email marketing. If you need help getting started and setting everything up optimally from the start, come join me inside my expand membership. Again, I'll drop the link below this video. I do want to make a quick note before we move on from this topic. One more thing about email marketing. It's not really related, but I just want you all to be aware because it's happening very soon. Gmail is making a change in February 2024 that is going to require all email marketers who send more than 5,000 emails a day to have SPF, DKIM, and DMARC verification for their sending domains in order to actually reach Gmail inboxes. So if you are listening to this and you have an email list of 5,000 subscribers or more, you need to get on this ASAP to avoid ending up in the spam folder in February. And I talk about how to get this set up inside the Expand membership as well. So if you need help, that's the place to get it from me. Essentially, you just need to add some codes to your DNS records and you should be good to go. However, it is important to note that when you authenticate your domain, you're technically now sending emails from your own domain rather than the shared domain of your email service provider. So you're basically resetting your stats and you have to collect new history of providing valuable emails that get opened, clicked on, and engaged with to have the best deliverability. So you may want to start by sending out emails to the most engaged segments of your list first to build up your reputation before sending large volume broadcasts to your entire list. Trend number five for 2024, personalization and good user experience will matter more than ever. Feel like I've touched on this one already throughout my predictions, but just to drive it home once more, I think we will see more and more personalization of content and marketing, and people will have less and less patience for bad user experiences. For example, we already discussed a few ways that Google is starting to sprinkle personalization into their products with Google Discover, the ability to follow topics, the new for you section for these topics in the Google search results and testing personalized results that prioritize commonly visited websites in the search results for logged-in users. I also think that more and more people will start to be aware of the personalization power of email marketing. You can collect information from and about your audience using things like surveys, quizzes, or even just purchase or behavior information, and then tweak your marketing messages based on what you know about each individual subscriber. For example, with the unconventional RD brand, it would probably benefit me to start segmenting my list a little more based on what stage someone is in business. For example, the information that someone needs if they don't have a website or niche yet is totally different from the information someone needs if they are already running a six-figure online business. My brand has information and offers to help both of these types of people, so I would probably have better results if I segmented my list and customized the information and offers I sent to each segment based on what I know they need. And just as a little preview, I actually am going to be doing this soon, and I will be sharing my methods with people inside the Expand membership as well. So if you're not yet a member, just another reason to get on in there. At the core, personalization is just one piece of providing a good user experience. The more you can help someone, the better their experience, and knowing more about their wants and needs can help you better serve them. I also think that the user experience on your website is going to continue to be more and more important with time. Google has slowly been dialing this in over the years, from making HTTPS and site speed a ranking factor to penalizing intrusive pop-ups to now creating this page experience report in Google Search Console that encompasses all of these factors. If you look at Google's documentation about the factors that comprise a good page experience, they also mention that content needs to display well on mobile not have an excessive amount of ads that interfere with the main content and have good navigation that makes it easy to find the main content on the page. So it would behoove all of us to make sure that if you have ads or pop-ups on your site that they are not causing a negative user experience. There's always a balance here between making money and growing your list and providing a good user experience for your visitors. On a bigger scale, I also think this ties into the bigger picture of our websites and the overall user experience that we are providing through our brands. Is it clear what value you provide on your homepage, or are you just showing people a random feed of posts and you're like, where am I, what am I even doing? Who is this website for? Have you built a genuinely helpful space for your ideal customers and readers, or are you just publishing one-off posts, hoping a few of them will rank and bring you visitors, no matter who those people might be? We all need to start thinking more like true brands now and make sure we're implementing solid marketing principles and user experience principles on our sites. I talk about how to build high quality home pages, about pages and categories inside my SEO Made Simple course if you wanna learn exactly how to do this. I'll drop the link to check out my course below this video. There are even tools out there, uh, like one that I know of called Write Message that can personalize the messaging that people see on your website based on the first party data that you have collected on them. For example, if a website visitor is on your email list and they completed a survey so you know that they are a private practice owner, you can personalize the messaging they see on your site so that it frames the call to action in a way that would appeal to a private practice owner, for example. Or if you know someone has already opted into a specific lead magnet based on the tags that they have in your email account, you can personalize the experience on your website so that that particular visitor will not see the opt-ins for lead magnets they've already opted into, and instead you will specifically show them offers that would move them along the customer journey. Pretty cool, right? I haven't started using this like hyper level of personalization yet, but it's on my list of things to play around with in 2024, and I think it's a trend that others will be following too. And finally, trend number six, More people will pay for information that they trust. I think that as the internet and social media continues to get flooded with mass-produced, kind of mediocre content, more and more people will be willing to pay to access information from sources that they trust, which is actually a great thing for content creators. So if you have unique information or advice to share, some percentage of your audience base would probably pay a subscription fee to access it. Even I've been doing this myself. For example, I really enjoy hearing Marie Haynes' thoughts on AI and SEO, so I joined her paid membership in order to have high-quality discussions in a small group setting and get access to the in-depth paid content that she only has available behind her paywall. Marie does put out a free newsletter every week, but she gates some of the topics so that only paying subscribers can read about them. And I really value her analysis and thought leadership, so I pay a monthly fee to read it. If you can similarly position yourself as a thought leader in your niche, some people will happily pay you on a month-to-month basis to read your content and pay you back for all the time and hard work that goes into your content creation. We already know this model can be successful with the rise of substack paid newsletters as well. And if you're not sure how to set up a paid newsletter or gated content behind a paywall, It doesn't need to be complicated. ConvertKit offers the ability to accept payment for your newsletter directly through them. So you don't need any other extra tools or to make it any more complicated. Just do it all through ConvertKit. But really, I'm circling back around this main point here that AI is ushering in the commodification of general information. But AI is not a specialist. People will still seek out trusted specialists coaches, mentors, and accountability partners to actually accomplish their goals and learn from people with firsthand experience. So if you can position yourself in this way, you will still be able to thrive in the AI era. So that's it for my six digital marketing trends to watch in 2024. To recap, those trends were, number one, optimizing for SGE and AI platforms, number two, diversifying beyond the publisher model, Number three, the rise of social media SEO. Number four, email marketing becomes trendy again. Number five, personalization and good user experience will matter more than ever. And number six, people will pay for information that they trust. If you enjoyed this video, I would appreciate if you could share it with a friend. One of my goals for 2024 is greater visibility. So I appreciate all the help I can get and be sure to subscribe to this channel to get all of my new videos as they roll out throughout the year. Thank you.